cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Yeah, he's he's done. Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Bill Just Bill. a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, a miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. I'm Brian Sini. I do the NRL physio stuff on social media. I've got James here with me, my co-host. James, I think the most exciting thing to talk about today, it is T. It is less than T-minus one week until dad schoolies, until Magic Round. How keen are you? How good? Brian, very keen. Um, dad schoolies doesn't get any better for dads, I would say. All rugby league fans in general, whether you're a father or mother or anyone else, it's just going to be a great time. The vibes are good. The atmosphere is good. The footy's always good. It's going to be a great, great weekend, I think, Brian. It'll be good to see you and a few of our close friends on the Saturday day and night. Yeah, mate, we uh, we got one day leave pass this year. We usually get two or three, but uh, one day we've we've all got plenty of kids running around. But I'm sure we'll make the most of that day. Now we spoke about it last week. Uh, you know, like give the uh, thousands and thousands, or tens and tens, in reality, of people who listen to this podcast. If uh, you want to meet James and I, a bit of a meet and greet, where we we've put it right in like a prime slot where we know a lot of people will be there and be. Camp- but most importantly it's when we do our best work it's when we're sort of at our our best to talk about footy and and talk about you know the finer points of the game so uh when the clock strikes when the clock strikes midnight uh we'll be on the downstairs dance floor at Caxton Hotel so look come and have a chat you know bust a move wobble a knee and we'll have a good time so the official magic sponge meet and greet midnight at Caxton downstairs how good yeah, how good, Brian? Look, all I will say to that is I'm probably going to put a song request in, which I think really sums up North Brisbane Rugby League especially, which I know is right in your wheelhouse, which is um, the iconic duo, the Veronicas. I think if they're playing untouched at about midnight, you do, it's just going to absolutely slap and you will see me there absolutely doing my best. Oh, mate, between untouched and steal my sunshine, I think the uh, – oh, mate, that downstairs dance for it – that. It's going to be heaving. Jeez, how good. I'm so keen. So keen. All right, guys. uh, As always, this is your one-stop shop for all things injury analysis. We're going to talk about the injuries. We're going to talk about how it influences performance and super coach scoring, which is the big winner. Um, If you find yourself getting value out of this, we do heaps more at patreon.com slash Physio. We've got segments uh, to answer questions on there every week. You also can only ask questions on here if you're a patron. I also have the casualty ward, which is kick-ass. It's the best casualty ward out there on the internet. But otherwise, guys, let's get stuck into the injuries from round nine. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. Well, he shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. The round nine injury at Ryan. Let's get straight into it. So Sharks versus Cowboys was the first game there. A bit dire for the Cowboys fans. They looked really ordinary there. Also a little bit concerning for Queensland fans, Brian. I would say... Jeremiah Nanai had a stinker, and he's going to be having a big stint on the sideline. Ruby Cotter didn't look great either, but Mm. I will say Tom Dearden in a badly beaten team was really, really good. Geez, he's um, been a great get for the Cows. But the Sharks roll on, and, geez, if you don't have Nico in fantasy, which I do not, (laughs) it's it's a tough watch seeing him just absolutely pump the Cowboys into the oblivion. Injury concerns for this one, Brian. We've got Brandon Hamlin-Worley, who had a medial knee injury in that 
He dropped tackle from Jeremiah Nanai, so he's facing time on the sidelines with that. Brendan Coru was a knee to contusion. Tom Chester suspected ACL injury by mechanism there on the video that you've got. The other one was Chad Townsend, who left the game early with a calf strain. You want to give us about a, a few approximate timeframes that those players will be missing? Mate, big ups to the Sharks who actually put out uh, like an official injury report this afternoon. Pilot, good friends of the show, or, uh, previous friends of the show anyway, Pilot. Um, they put out a Pilot medical update for the team. Uh, Hamlin ULE is an, a grade two MCL sprain, so usually three to six weeks. They've said expect him to miss about four weeks. That's pretty, um, yeah, Pretty, pretty normal for that kind of injury. No real re-injury concerns because they are contact injuries, as we saw with the uh, hip drop tackle there. So it's it's mainly just bad luck. Like you know, that's that's gonna that tackle is going to injure an MCL, whether a guy has a healthy MCL or whether um, they've just come back from an MCL sprain. Britton Acora, I think we were talking off air. I thought he was pretty lucky. Like he did have that contusion, so that that knock to the knee. But his knee did seem to move around a little bit, in particular collapsed inwards a little bit so I was a bit suspicious you know potentially an MCL sprain there as well um, you know if it keeps heading that way you can't even get ACL stuff I was pretty hopeful that it you know it had avoided anything like that and it does turn out that it was just a contusion but I think he has sort of come away um, come away lucky there for sure uh, Tom Chester with the ACL injury look it probably wasn't I missed it initially and only saw him sort of hobbling off and it was, you know, right near the end. So I didn't have time to check it until after the game. And uh, I I certainly didn't look at it and think ACL straight away. It was kind of, there was like one point where he stepped off the left and then another point where he got swung around and then his foot kind of jammed in the turf as he was swinging around. and, and, And yeah, it just wasn't a textbook ACL, but they do suspect an ACL injury. And when they suspect an ACL injury, uh, yeah, it's usually going to be, unfortunately. And that's really disappointing because I thought he was really, really good when Drinky was out. So that's, yeah, particularly particularly disappointing for the young fella. Chad Townsend, they said it was just precautionary. Uh, apparently he's been carrying a few niggles and then with the 10-day turnaround they wanted to give him extra time. Uh, but, yeah, look, like, you know, I, I think that... I always usually take that as coach speak in terms of like, you know, he, he could have, he could have potentially strained it there. They might have to scan it. So yeah, he, he still be a 50, 50 for next week. I imagine. Yeah, based on how he played, you probably wouldn't want to take him into Magic Round, Brian. Oh, they got an absolute bath by Nico Hines, didn't he, on the night Chatty Townsend. What we'll do next is talk about the Eels versus Knights, though. So only injury concern from this game was Kurt Mann with a reported abdominal injury. This is a little bit confusing because a lot of people said he got hooked um, for basically bad performance, um, but then it was otherwise reported thereafter as an abdominal injury. What was your read on that one, Brian? Well, I was like you. I I kind of – so this is the early game on Fridays, and I always miss kind of the first – Uh, at least half, but usually more than that because I'm at work. So I kind of came out and I had just as many sort of messages saying, oh, Kurt Mann's got hooked, and then as many saying, no, it's an abdominal injury. So I wasn't really sure. I didn't see a clear mechanism or anything like that. You're very rarely going to get one with an abdominal injury. It's usually going to be, you know, in the wrestle or in the tackle or something like that. And 
and just you know like there'll be a pop in the in the abdominals for the player uh, that won't be obvious to the eye of anyone watching or anything like that. So this is a bit of a tough one, like an abdominal injury. You can have like a minor oblique strain, which you know he he can play through. It, it it's going to be painful, but it's not going to pose any major you know concerns to him moving forward. But then you can also have something like uh you know sportsman's hernia or uh, like umbilical hernia or something like that. So you can like it, it can be a wide range, so I, I won't try and act like I know sort of how long it's going to be um, because it can be quite wide ranging, as you guys know. On here, I'll be definitive when I can, and I'll stay ahead of it when I can't. So yeah, this one could you it could literally be he'll be back next week, but playing through pain. So it is something I expect him. Even if he is back next week, he's, he's probably going to be a bit affected by it, but he could also miss. Uh, multiple, you know, multiple weeks could require surgery. Like it, it's that wide ranging at this point in time. Very good, Brian. We'll move to the Broncos versus Rabbitohs. Actually, no injury concerns in that game, but shout out to the Rabbitohs. They were very, very good the other night. Obviously, um, big game for the Broncos on Magic Round versus the Manly Seagulls. So looking forward to that one. I'll be wearing my retro diamonds kit for that. <laughs> Raiders versus Dolphins was the next game, Brian. So we've got Branko Lee, Mark Nichols, and Ray Stone. So Ray Stone was a concussion out of this game. Mark Nichols with a broken thumb that's going to likely require surgery. And Branko Lee nursing a hamstring strain out of this one. Do you want to give us a few updates about those gents as it stands on Sunday night? Oh, mate, the first injury from that's my grade three broken heart from, you know, what a, what a, uh, Valiant effort from the Finns, but just couldn't get their job done, unfortunately. But on a serious note, I was, yeah, like it was really, really horrible to see. And this isn't just like I've said this about multiple players in the past and multiple situations like this. Like Ray Stone, I went back and watched, like he fell over in and around the play the ball three times, like and was obviously just no good, like really no good. So for the play to continue on after three times falling over and like three tackles went like in that time was just super, super disappointing to see. And I think, yeah, like obviously I'll I'll say the refs have some of the toughest job, you know, have the toughest job on the field. Like it's one of the most thankless. But I just think, yeah, seeing stuff like that is just never – Never good to see. So hopefully there's some sort of review into the in, into what happened there um, to try and prevent it from happening again. Like if it's just a you know the ref didn't see it and stuff like that, then then fair enough, play on. But if it was something where you know there was some sort of communication or something like that, I think that definitely needs to be looked at because yeah, you don't want. And I mean he didn't want to come off. Like to be fair, like they would. You know, I think uh, Sam Madden, good friend of uh, friend of the show, Sam Madden was trying to drag him off even once the play had finished and. Ray was, you know, adamant he was staying out there. But, yeah, for, for a guy to collapse on the field sort of three times, lose his balance, and I think the last one he was just lying like face down in turf, that's not the, a scene that you want to see on a, a footy field. So, yeah, hopefully he's okay, but he'll definitely miss next week. Um, I think he copped a suspension too or something or, or a fine or something like that. But, yeah, he'll miss next week anyway because of the Category 1. Mark Nichols, broken thumb, uh, he'll need surgery. He'll be out at least least two weeks uh, you can see guys come back in about four weeks from that so he shouldn't miss too long a time and Branko you know Lee Cousin uh, 2020 state of origin champion James a legend of Queensland yep. and the Dolphins hamstring strain I reckon this is at least it'd have to be a dozen 
hamstring slash calf strains for Brenko in the last like four years or something like that. That guy has had. I, I noted it. I, I, I recorded them all down in the uh, in the injury profiles to start off the year. He has just had so many. It's it's all and 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 once again we talked about injury prone last last week. How I don't like the term. He is definitely prone to injury in terms of lower limb t- soft tissue strains. He is well and truly past that point. He is just yeah. He, he's got that much history there that it just leaves him susceptible to it moving forward. So. Obviously, it'll depend on the severity, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses at least three to four weeks. Yeah, nice to summarize there, Brian. I'd love to hear the, the dialogue between Sam Madden, on-field physio, and Ray Stone to get him off the field there. That would be <laughs> that would be something I'd be really keen to hear, actually. I'd, I would love to be a fly on the wall there. But anyway, next game there was the Seagulls versus Titans. Titans get a good bounce-back win here, so that's good to see for them. Mainly, obviously, missing Tom Provojevich, who was nursing a groin strain from the previous week. He was named but didn't get right for this one. The other concerns out of this game was AJ Brimson with a hamstring and Kieran Foran with a toe injury. AJ was a, a re-injury of that hamstring. And then the big mystery is around Josh Shoot, which has just been labelled as conditioning after his quad injury. So... I don't know what to read into that about Josh Schuster. There's also reports that he was re-signed for $800,000, Brian. Is that a Daily Telegraph stitch-up or is that legitimately accurate? Because if it is, whoever's dealing out those contracts needs to have their head read, to be honest, don't they? Yeah, mate. I, look, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, you just never know with the the salaries reported. I mean, like surely you would think that it can't be like if it's not eight hundred, maybe it's seven fifty or something like that. Because surely it can't be that far off the mark. But it's a bit of um, and look, like I think there's a lot of there obviously must be a lot of mental stuff going on here with Schuster. I think someone was saying he's deactivated all his social media. He got into a fight at training the other day, which has been reported as well. Um, so I think, yeah, his struggles with rehab are, are very well documented, but I, like, yeah, it's just becoming a, where I was going is like, a, you know, like fool me once, shame on me. Or like, I don't I can't even think of, but you know, the saying that I'm, I'm going for here, like, you know, it's now been three, four times where he's, you know, his rehab's taken longer than expected. He hasn't gone all that well. Like I, I heard Vossi, I was listening to Vossi's uh, radio show and he was sort of saying that, you know, he saw Josh Schuster in the in the preseason and he just looked absolutely shredded, like absolutely shredded. Like he couldn't believe how good he looked. And then saw him recently after some injury rehabs and it just sounds like that, like injury rehab really knocks Josh around. Like it, it was obvious last year with the syndesmosis um, rehab that it really knocked him around and, you know, it took way longer than expected. He came back and did not look good. But then all the reports out of preseason were, you know, he's looking good, he's training the house down, all that kind of stuff. But then he's had these two injury rehabs. And it's obvious that it just doesn't agree with him at this point in time in his career. I think like... I, like, you know, Daly didn't come out and, and, and I would say directly call him out, but he went as close to it as probably yeah, a, senior, yeah. a senior player would in the team. Like, he kind of laid down the gauntlet. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think it was – there's no no difficulty trying to read between the lines what Daly's communicating yeah. there, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, I think there's – um yeah, there's like there's ongoing concerns there from a, you know – like if you're a Manly fan, I think you have to have concerns, especially with that much money tied up there. Um, it, it's something that you know if he can if he can get his head right, I think then his body will follow because I think it must be like it's it's got to be that you know it like his body 
I don't think would be at this point, you know, the whole made of glass, injury prone, all that kind of stuff. It sounds like he can get get himself in good nick. It's then just when he has a little setback, like it seems to affect him a lot more than a lot of the guys at this level. So it's just probably something that he needs to, you know, really, really work towards. Uh, Tommy Turbo with a groin strain. We spoke about it last week. Like he was pretty close and he he is going to play this week, but it's still something like, you know, like the groin strain on its own, not a big deal. We spoke about it. I think we spoke about it for about 15 minutes last week, so I won't go on. But yeah, it's just with the... you know, the history of the hamstring strains and you've got the hip pointer, the back spasms, all that kind of stuff. It just all kind of muddles into, you know, a big complex injury situation that just, it, like, it, it isn't going away any anytime soon. Like, I think, you know, the next, he'd have to go out there and absolutely brain it for, like, the next two to three weeks with no injury concerns and look fantastic for me to be happy about where Turbo is at. AJ Brimson with the hamstring, that's an interesting one. I had a few people blow up a little bit at me because because I said it was like a recurrence or a re-injury, but I kind of, and I know a lot of people do, sort of consider those hamstring injuries, like once you suffer it on one side, like it then, your risk is increased on both sides. Like it's obviously more increased to to re-injure the same hamstring, but that increased sort of risk of another hamstring injury exists across both sides. Um, And that was the case here. It's his second week back. That's the, the first two weeks of the highest risk. And he suffered it on the other side as well. So, yeah, once again, I think he missed uh, three weeks with the one beforehand. And it was up a bit higher on the hamstring. So they tend to be a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait for uh, for scans to come back to sort of see how long he'll be facing facing out on the sidelines. Kieran Foran with his toe. He has had toe surgery in the past. So there is a little bit of concern there. It's more than likely a big toe injury. But he did get through the game. So hopefully doesn't need surgery again. And But it, it's probably going to limit his – oh, well, I, I talk about Kieran. And Foran's explosiveness, but uh, where, you know how much explosiveness Foz shows these days. More uh, probably a bit of a creator than a than a you know a bust through the line kind of guy. But yeah, he he'll probably be a bit limited in his push off, even if he doesn't miss any time. Nice summary, Brian. We'll move forward to the next game. Big upset here, uh, but good to see for the Tigers. I think. Oh, how good! You, you like to see the celebrations after the game. You can just tell, like these boys are actually like they're they are putting in. Like everyone can sort of go, oh, there's this and that and the other, but you can tell after the game when everyone's celebrating the win. You know, it doesn't seem like a bit of a carry on potentially from the outside looking in. But at the end of the day, if you haven't a win all season, you're going to probably get a little bit excited to get one over the one of the competition heavyweights as well. So I think good win for the Tigers. Hopefully. It leads them on to a few more wins moving forward. Injury concerns from that one, Brian. So previously, Isaac Tungo was ruled out with what was reported as a partial peg tear. I think you reported between three to six weeks there initially, um, previously. Obviously, from this game, we've had Matt Eisenhuth with maybe a shoulder subluxation type injury, um, Charlie Staines with a bowel perforation, and Liam Martin and James Fisher-Harris also probably need a few little updates as well if you have time to squeeze them in there, Brian. Yeah, mate. So quickly, Eisenhuth is shoulder subluxation. Uh, yeah, look, it, it did seem to come out there or at least shift out momentarily. They It can either be kind of two to four weeks if it is just a subluxation, a clean subluxation, or he can require surgery. So it's another one that's a bit of 
you know, big or, you know, it can be huge or it can be quite minor. The thing is, even if it's two to four weeks and he comes back, there is that risk of re recurrence again. Like we had the same thing with Nathan Cleary a couple of seasons ago. Um, he came back, but yeah, that re- recurrence risk is there. Tungo with the partial pec tear, yeah, they, they expect he'll miss four to five weeks, which is pretty standard for a partial pec tear. Liam Martin, he's at least kind of two to three more weeks out away, so he'll he'll be a while. I think Fisher Harris is uh, is a chance to come back next week uh, or the week after, so around 10 to 11. But yeah, Martin, with that being a recurrence of the hamstring, they're going to take their time with that. The real interesting one here, man, mate, from a, you know, especially from a medical perspective, is Charlie Staines with his bowel perforation. So for anybody who didn't see my my uh, post on socials or, you know, maybe um, didn't quite understand it, it's literally like a, like a cut or a tear or a, you know, a hole sort of develops in the lower bowels. Now, like I've never heard of that happening on a footy field, uh, whether it be, you know, from my daily job, uh, NRL level. Like I've heard of it a few times in people with bowel issues, um, so like bowel conditions or um, like car accidents, you know, those kind of things. So like obviously footy is a car accident sometimes in terms of the forces, but I'm just shocked that, yeah, whether it's obviously come from something on the field, you just wonder whether there was some sort of underlying, you know, bowel condition there, um, like uh, whether he had anything there. But, I mean, even in the hospital system, do you see that very often? No, not really very too much. Like I think they do say with bowel perforation or uh, like blunt abdominal trauma, it's not very common to see. I guess motor vehicle accidents might be one or motor bike accidents might be one that you might see from time to time. But in sporting since, like, I was just looking up a journal article here, Brian. I think this is one from 2018. It says there's been three documented um, instances of NFL players having a bowel perforation from blunt force abdominal trauma um, that they've that they've recorded. So it's very, very, very rare. I think um, they say most of the is player-to-player contact while a few – can come from external playing surface or equipment contact or something like that. So it's it's a very freaky sort of thing, a very unlikely sort of thing to happen. Hey, oh mate, like I yeah, as I said, I just have never heard of that. So they like you know even that three times in the NFL. That's uh, that's you know I guess they are wearing helmets, so it kind of probably makes a little bit more sense to me. Like if you cop a helmet right in the in the guts, that might you know might be enough, but. Yeah, this is just crazy. So he'll be out like at least two months. But like I think we've spoken about this in the past. Anything medical like this, you you throw those like expected recovery times up with a massive grain of salt. Like it, it's not like a hamstring strain where you you know you most of them are going to be four to six weeks. It's such a yeah such an unpredictable thing. So yeah, just hopefully he gets back out there quickly and doesn't have any um you know ongoing ongoing issues with it. Yeah, big recovery ahead for Charlie Stane, so I don't envy him going through that. Um, the next game, Brian, was the Warriors versus Roosters. So Paul Morovsky, difficult to sort of tell um, mechanism of injury was here because I think I must have missed this, um, but he was sort of off the field with his arm in a sling, potentially shoulder injury there. Brandon Smith was a HIA and then also taken to hospital with neck concerns. So he might be able to give us a bit of an update of where he's at there. And before this game, um, Warrior Hargraves was um, kept out of this week from a – previous sort of it was reported as a knock wasn't it? i don't know what exactly that ascertains to but um he was reported out this week he looks like he's going to be on track for next week doesn't he 
Yeah, I, like I'd say so. They um like they were a bit vague on it. Um, you know, as to whether it was a knock, load management, all that kind of stuff. Like he dealt with all that hamstring lower back stuff during the off season. And we kind of said that that was a bit of a worry that he was still dealing with that. Um, and then Brandon Smith, uh, HIA taken to hospital with the neck concerns. I think I was watching Matty Johns before and he said that he, um, he got news from Brandon Smith's family that, um, that like everything was all good. He was in good spirits. So um, I'm not sure whether he's failed his HIA there. There hasn't, like obviously they're mainly talking about the neck concerns. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll have to, because if he has failed the HIA, then there's probably a good chance he'll be out next week. Um, in terms of the neck stuff, hopefully just more precautionary than anything. I don't think Smith has any history of any neck stuff. Momorowski with the shoulder, it looked very similar to the Matt Eisenhuth one. They didn't have a replay, so it wasn't super clear. But once again, it kind of looked like that subluxy kind of thing. So potentially, you know, uh, short term or if he needs surgery, but uh, like I would most of them end up that they come back just with that increased risk of injury. Very good, Brian. Very last game of the round was the Dragons versus the Bulldogs here. So 200 concerns from the Dogs who have had probably one of the worst runs of injury that I can remember um, in recent times. Uh, Max King was reported by Gus there with some pretty good detail about a rib or sternal type fracture injury and then Braden Burns was a leg injury as well do you want to give us a bit of an update on um obviously Gus's information who's <laughs> turning into like one of our one of our best reporters of injuries now isn't he mate the Gus is all over it I think um someone was saying uh Matt Hislop um the doctor from the from the Bronx was saying that he thinks that Gus is uh copy and pasting the text messages that he's receiving from the Bulldogs doctor and just posting it as um as tweets, which is pretty funny. So, but look, we said it last week, like keep it going, Gus, because that is, it's fantastic to see. I mean, compared to like, I've had that many people asking me about the roosters about, you know, um, Daniel Tupo, like how long is he out for? I think Robbo did say in the, in the press conference tonight, that it's going to be at least four weeks. But like, other than that, it's been radio silence from them. Like, you know, there's, there's just been a lot of, a lot of not much updates from a lot of clubs. So for Gus to come out with that. So yeah, Max King, it's it's a fracture to where the ribs kind of attach into the sternum really high up. When there's a fracture, it just needs that little bit of extra time to kind of heal and settle down. It's mainly a pain issue, but when there's a fracture there, you just need to get some healing into it so that the you know risks, if, if you fracture it further and then you can get like punctured lungs and those kind of things, which you don't want to do. So uh, yeah, like he'll, he'll be out for, I think, two to three weeks they're expecting probably at this point in time. But it's one of those injuries where even when he does come back, I'm a bit off him because usually guys have um, some performance uh, like limitations because aggravating the pain. So even though that the bone is healed, there's still that irritation and that pain there, especially for middle forwards. And then Braden Burden's had a leg injury, mate. One of the all-time like great chases on one leg from Braden Burns today. Uh, I agree. I, I, yeah, like I, I saw the replay because I, I didn't see the game live, but I just watched them like you know the highlights first, and I saw the break, and I'm like, oh man, my first thought was. Geez, Braden Burns, like I know he's had like the patella tendon rupture in recent like recent seasons. Uh, he's had his hamstring issues. I'm like, surely that's not his running gait now. Like surely, surely he hasn't been that limited by that stuff. 
But, um, well, and I say thankfully. Thankfully, um, it was from a fresh injury, and that's not Braden Burns's. you know, that's not what he's limited to these days. He, I went back and found the mechanism. It looked like an MCL sprain, so hopefully it's on the lower end because, geez, the Bulldogs need as many troops as they can get. Yeah, really nicely summarised, Brian. That's the wrap for round nine. So we might go straight into quite a lot of questions tonight via Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash NRL physio. If you want more answers, if you want to get your questions read out on the Sunday nights when we do these things, that's what you've got to do. You've got to follow Brian there and you've got to get your information posted there if you want to have that happen. All right, question number one, Brian. So this is about... Uh, lateral ankle sprain. So regarding your chat last week about Suni Taruva and his lateral ankle sprain, could you clarify why the turnarounds from those injuries are so quick at the elite level? Um, I guess, for example, if you think about the average punter, there's often heaps of swelling, there's often instability and considerable pain with even just walking. So how do these NRL players get back to play so quickly? What's your take on that? Yeah, so I'll give credit to uh, to the guy who asked this question because he asked, like I, I put in all those details but then he's followed up with, is it because these elite guys can get rehab every day, have access to quality, high-quality medical care, and obviously have access to pain-killing injections if required? And he pretty much answered his own question, even in asking mm. me. Um, look, the thing I will say, like, obviously we've spoken about in the past, like, the, the usual things that these guys are some of the best athletes in the country. And I think that, like, we all know that they're amazing, but I think that kind of gets missed by, and I see it in my patients, like it gets missed by a lot of people understanding that these guys who injure, injure themselves, they, they are starting at such a high base level already, right? Like they, their bodies are so finely tuned and so good good performance wise that even when they're injured themselves they they just they're so well put together they they just start from a, a level that is so like already two or three steps ahead of Joe Bloggs who has a lateral ankle sprain um so you've got that you've got the fact that they can get you know world class medical treatment not only every day like multiple times a day it's their full time job to rehab their body when they're injured. Like they don't have to worry about, you know, going to the job site and, you know, getting through a day's work or whatever. They they literally, everything is tailored around getting them back as quickly as possible. So all of those things play into it. But the other thing that is worth like mentioning about like lateral ankle sprains in particular is that they're they're ones that, yes, they do tend to cortisone these a lot, which is like an anti-inflammatory injection to try and sort of bring that swelling and that pain down really quickly. They can strap it up really, really well and limit the risk of sort of further injury and help with performance and those kind of things. But I think the other thing too, and this this is probably something that you've experienced over your career as well, James, but the movement particularly over the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years in regard to ankle sprains in terms of just getting people active as quickly as possible. And we, like, we're learning like more and more all the time that the quicker you can get people active, the, the quicker like they come back 
and that's even in you know like everyday people like I, I see that many people these days that I think oh man 10 years ago when I was you know 12 13 years ago when I was first starting out you'd often see these guys in moon boots you know you, you'd put them in moon boots if there was a tear in the ligament they'd be you know in a moon boot or something like that whereas now I'm only moon booting at the like the worst case scenario like if there's instability or anything there so I like there's definitely been a movement in in a lot of rehabs but particularly in lateral ankle sprain just getting people moving as quickly as possible so I'd say even people um, everyday people are getting back I'm getting people back at my job a lot quicker now than I would have been you know uh, that 10 10 12 years ago just purely because of that change in you know let's get people active quicker yeah even to that point Brian I would say like those people that have had even distal fibular fractures, some of them are just, if they're non-displaced, they're just not even put in moon boots or in mm-hmm. plaster anymore. They're just told, well, it's just a pain tolerance issue now. If you just use crutches for a period of time and then as soon as you feel like you're good to put your full weight through it, then just start taking full weight. Even those things have accelerated along a little bit too. So they're sort of cut from a similar cloth, I guess, those two type of injuries. But I do agree with you. I think those things have uh, changed very, very extensively over the last sort of, yeah, especially sort of 10 years or so, hey. Yeah, and I mean, that's the only time that we've been in the physio realm. But uh, yeah, like I, like I know I tore, um, I think it was two ligaments in my lateral ankle in year 12, the only game of soccer I think I ever played in year 12 because they needed numbers. And of course, the keeper just studs up me and just killed my dreams of being a, you know, a, a gun Broncos player. But like I remember, like, you know, in a boot, and I think I was in a boot for like three, four weeks, and I look back at that now, and I think, God, I was 17, I'm like, oh, far out, I wish, because I, I don't know if you remember, but even like when I got down to, to uni and stuff like that, like I was still struggling with that for ages. Granted, my, my rehab probably wasn't the best, but I was st- trying to do some stuff, and I just struggled with that, and I just wonder, you know, it's hard to say, it, it might just be one of those things, but, you know, it, like spending that time in, in that boot for so long, and it was so conservative, my initial treatment, I just wonder, you know, if I had have had a really got the roll on and got it moving a lot quicker, it might have uh, might have resulted better for me, and I might have, you know, ended up being that uh, Queensland origin star halfback that I, I Very true, to be. very true. I think to your point about moon boots, Brian, as well, while we're on it, there's not really much good that comes from being in a moon boot for an extended period of time. I guess oh. I get it. In my case, I'm on the very extreme end of the bell curve where I see people with like, you know, complex pain presentations that are chronic or even like that sort of semi subacute, like CRPSE type presentation as well. And a lot of times it's from people with very minimal trauma to the ankle that just get stuck in a moon boot for too long um, because of a few sort of confounding factors to their health and to their pain situation um and it's really they're really hard to rehab by the time it gets to that point hey like they're really 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 difficult to get good outcomes with and it just takes a long 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 time to sort of gradually wean off that and for people to functionally improve um and pain improve as well so it's, it's a tricky one i think moon boots generally speaking for those things not often your friend they're a lot of times from a physio point of view they're nearly, they're nearly your worst nightmare aren't they Oh, mate, in, in my day-to-day job, I reckon in the last five years, like, I spend so much of my time like just slowly giving people confidence that they can get out of a moon boot or get out of a sling. Like Those two things, I find 
the old way of thinking sort of is very prevalent still, especially amongst amongst like the GP community and those kind of things where they, you know, they see, they get them to go and get an ultrasound or an MRI or whatever and they see, you know, X number of torn ligaments in an ankle or something. Yep, okay, popping in a moon boot and those kind of things. And then I, like I see it and I'm like, well, uh, can you put weight on it? Like, how's it feeling? Oh, yeah, no, it feels fine. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable putting weight on it, like even without the boot and stuff like that. You get any instability? No, 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 not at all. It doesn't give way on me. I'm like, yeah, you do not need to be in a moon yeah. at all. But, but the problem is, bin, yeah, but, but the problem yeah. is, mate, is like the first person they presented to told them, like, you've torn all these ligaments. You need to be in mm. a moon boot and, and trying to get through. And I'm sure you face this all the time. Like, you would face it probably more than me and probably more extreme levels than me. But it's just like then trying to change that mindset of, like, you don't need to be scared about moving that. You do, like, I know it says you've torn ligaments, but those ligaments will heal if we and it will heal quicker if we get it moving within your limits. I'm not telling people to, you know, take a boot off and run a marathon if they, if they think that that's okay. It's all within those tolerances tolerance levels and, and making sure you're comfortable. Um, but yeah, like I find slings and moon boots easier these days, massively overused in the, in the general public. That's for sure. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So question number two, Brian, we'll move on is about AJ Brimson. Was AJ Brimson rushed back too quickly? And as a result, has he re aggravated his hamstring concern? Um, and with him suffering another injury to the other hemi, will that result in a more cautious return to play timeline or would it be treated as a first time injury? What do you reckon? Yeah, it's a tough one. That first one, was he rushed back too quickly? Like, I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing. You could probably say now maybe he was a little bit, but, you know, it, it was like even though that risk sort of exists across both sides, um, the fact that it's his other hamstring, you know, it, it's a lot harder to predict that it's going to be the other hamstring. I think if if it was the same hamstring again, then you could say then yes, probably did. Well, he definitely did come back too soon. But this is the nature of hamstring injuries. Like the the the, the tough thing about hammies especially at the NRL level, is that, once again, they are getting the best treatment, some of the best treatment you can get anywhere, but the recurrence rate is still up to 30%, right? So this is the nature of hamstrings is you tick all the boxes, you know, you're you're passing all your return to play testing, everything's looking good, but we're still getting up to 30% of people re-injuring, and it's not isolated to NRL. This is in AFL, this is in soccer, like Premier League soccer, all that kind of stuff. So... It's unfortunate, but the nature of hamstrings is that everything looks good. It's almost like the silent killer, right? Like everything looks good. You're passing all your testing, but then guys, even when they get back, are still re-injuring them. So we're obviously getting better all the time with as more research comes out about rehab protocols and all that kind of stuff and Nordic hamstrings and sprinting loads and, you know, all those kind of things. And we've seen Tommy Turbo go through all that. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's harsh to sort of say just because a re-injury happened that, yeah, he came back too soon I think if you're inside the walls of the Titans and you could see that you know his testing wasn't quite up to scratch and they sent him back out there because they were desperate or whatever then you go okay yeah we pushed the letter there but if he's ticked all these boxes in terms of return to play and stuff like that like I just put it down to you know it's just a hamstring the nature of hamstring injuries unfortunately then the suffering another injury to the other hammy will it result in a more cautious return to play timeline would it be treated as a first time injury I think it kind of sits somewhere in between in that if it was his same hamstring again, they would absolutely be more cautious. We're seeing it with Liam Martin at the moment. They're taking their time with him. 
now in saying that I don't it's not going to be a first time injury because he's going to have that other hamstring sort of hanging over his head as well so I don't think it'll be as extensive as like a Liam Martin where they're like really taking their time with him but it's definitely probably going to tack on a week or two to you know if it was a first time hamstring injury and they expected a two week it'd probably be a three or a four week so it might tack on an extra week or two just because of the recent history. Question number three, Brian, we'll move on to the next one. It is about chance of clock star. So the Warriors injury update makes it sounds like he's going to be able to play at Magic Round. So the question is around the protocol rules. So can they play if it's on the 11th day? Because I thought initially just with the timing of it between him and Sione Katoa as well, who had a concussion in that same game for the Storm, that that would be yeah. – yeah, oh, so it's Eli Katoa, not Sione Katoa, my apologies. I thought they would be ruled out for um, the Magic Round game. So – is that the case for Chance of Clockstar? And then I guess the other question that comes in about this is what happens if he gets a third concussion this year then? What happens then? Yep, so I'll do the third concussion this year. There's no protocol there. It's like, you know, the the second concussion means that you need – a second concussion in a season means you know need to go and see an independent specialist. You just have to. That's always been a rule. Um, but a third concussion won't kick in any, like there's no rules as such. And once again, it's not about the number of concussions. It could be three, it could be five, you know, it could be two. Uh, it's it's more about the patient in front, you know, the, the presentation, all that kind of stuff. How how conservative the Warriors want to be with it. So there's no policy or rules behind a third concussion in a season that I'm aware of anyway. Um then, look, this protocol in terms of the 11th day stuff, this is the litmus test. This is the first time these protocols have been put under the microscope in terms of they've only been brought in this year and there has not been a scenario where a player, you know, has been like has a game on the 11th day or the 10th day or the 12th day or whatever. And we've seen what's happened because. Like, by what's been released, Chan's nickel clock star should not be able to play at Magic Round. I'm happy to definitively say that because even if, even if you said it was the minute he suffered the concussion was, say, minute zero, right? And then it's 11 blocks of 24 hours after when he suffers that concussion, his game is still about four hours before 11 days. So it's 10 out, ten days and 20 hours afterwards. So by the letter of the law, and, and it's not because he was Category 1, it's because that he can't apply for an exemption. Once again, by what they released to us, one of the, one of the criteria was that they can have not suffered a, another concussion in the previous three months, which Chance has suffered a concussion earlier this season. So... This is a, like, I can't tell you what's going to happen here. Like, the Warriors came out and they sounded like they're hopeful, almost like confident that uh, the hopeful thing from them sounded like, oh, we just hope that he continues to be pain-free, sorry, symptom-free and he'll and pass through the protocols and he'll be sweet for next week. But I'm going to be really interested to see how this goes because, like, I, like look... I'm not trying to be a narc here. I'm, tr- I'm I'm not trying to sort of throw chance in it. Um, like chance is in my team. Like if you want to talk about fantasy and stuff like that, like I'd love to have him playing next week in my team. But from a like you know if you if you set these protocols and and it's eleven days, and then he plays before eleven days, like what's the point of the eleven days? Just make it that they have to miss 
one game. You know what I mean? Like if it's 11 days, then it's 11 days. And, you know, I know it's being a bit pedantic, but that's, you know, like, uh, like, where where do we stop? You know, is it then okay? Ten days or nine days or oh, he's already missed a week. So, you know, it's it, it's just going to be an interesting one. And the same rules apply with Eli Katoa. He had Category One signs, so now his is a couple of I think it's about half an hour over eleven days from the moment that he suffered the concussion. So <laughs> potentially if that's what it was, the way I always understood it is the day that you suffer the concussion is day zero and then day one is the next day. So then you cannot play until day 12. That That is what I had been told that it was, not from the minute you suffer the concussion. Um, so yeah, this, this is a really interesting process. I don't know... What's going to happen here purely because this is the first time it's ever happened. So I'm sitting here watching like you guys trying to figure out how the NRL, how the Warriors, how the Storm are going to approach this because it'll hope, like, I hope it doesn't make it more confusing. I hope it gives us some more clarity as to where that, you know, where that 11 days sits. Does it sit, you know, can they play on the 11th day? Can they not play till the 12th day? Can they play, you know, 11 blocks of 24 hours after suffering the concussion? It's, yeah, it's it's all up in the air at the moment. So, unfortunately, I'm telling you, we won't know until we uh, see what happens purely because this is the first time it's happened. Clear as mud, Brian. That's oh, easy to mate, sum it up, yeah, isn't it, 100%. to be honest? It's very, yeah. very confusing for me, let alone the fans. So, I think, yeah, and I'm absolutely. just a fan at the end of the day. I just, you know, probably pay a bit more attention to this than many people do. But, yeah, I'm definitely – I was confused that the Warriors sort of – like, maybe the Warriors, because it's the first time, they're just coming out trying to stay positive and seeing if the NRL will allow an exemption for him to play. I'm not sure. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Very good. Question up next, Brian, is if you still had Tommy Turbo, would you trade him? Or if you held on to him this week, would, he, would you trade him as well as the question? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. I think, look, you, you, if you listened to this show last week, you heard how off yourself and myself um, were on Turbo. I'm just having a quick look. I'm bringing up his draw to see what he's got over the next couple of weeks. So he's got Bronx Sharks, Canberra. Look, the only hesitation, like that's not a fantastic draw, I wouldn't say, especially playing the Bronx at Suncorp. Um, And then the Sharkies have obviously been really good. The only hesitation I have, so I did sell him last week. So like, I think that was a pretty, I was pretty happy with that. Um, I think the only hesitation of why I would hold him is that there's a potential that he's available for round 13, that first major buy. Because, you know, if he doesn't, get this injury right, like, or there's still a few niggles and stuff like that. It, there is a real potential that Teddy, uh, sorry, um, Freddie doesn't pick him. Um, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't pick him, but that would be the only thing that would kind of have me, uh, I guess, holding on to Turbo. He is also a really low price. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, there's enough justification that I could, I could justify continuing to hold him. But uh, like, I would just much rather if you can find the cash, like, you know, going to a 
Gutho or someone like we, we've seen from the weekend just gone that Gutho has a hundred point upside. Like it was against a horrible night side, granted, but he's definitely going to like more than likely going to be there around thirteen. Like the the eels are starting to look a bit better, you know those kind of things. Like even a Dylan Edwards, you know someone like that. Like you've got these guys who are you know for all intents and purposes fully fit and healthy. You know relatively what you're going to get out of them. I like. I just think with all of the stuff that's going on with Turbo, I'm happier to jump off him at the moment. Uh, where do you sit on it as our super coach expert? Where are you sitting with Turbo? If say someone still got them, would you hold him or trade him this week? Yeah, so I'm in the latter scenario where I've still got him. So oh, I didn't trade him last okay. week. What are you doing? Yeah, so I'm going to ride the wave okay. for another week. I've got bigger issues that I'm concerned about. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think just with – I've got about 190 in the bank, but just getting from Turbo to Luttrell is a bit of a stretch for me at the moment. And I'm sort of probably eyeing off more how can I get to Nico Hines possibly. Yep. But then again, Nico's just blown up again. So he'll be over a million dollars. So – I'm sort of stuck with like these boys just blowing up and being, you know, well over nine hundred thousand dollars. So I'm probably just going to roll with for another week or two and just see what happens. Um, I think, you know, you could make an argument either way for it, Brian. Yeah. I reckon because no one's really going to know exactly how Tom's going and how he's feeling. Well, I do think he gets picked for Origin, even if he's at eighty percent. I mm-hmm. think if he says to Freddie, "Mate, I'm good." Then, then Freddie's going to trust him and pick him. I think Freddie will want him there. Yeah, but Turbo's that, he... Turbo's that kind of guy, mate. I don't think there's many out there, but I reckon Turbo's almost that kind of guy where he, like, he, I could see him being like, Freddie, don't. Like, um, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could. I, like, yeah. You know, like, I, I don't think there's many guys who would do that, but I think Tom's just got kind of that selfless, you know, like almost like you know he, he's obviously an animal out on the field, but yeah, I don't know whether the, like I don't know Tom personally, but it just seems like he does have that personality where he could you know mm. lay down his sword. Potentially, yeah, but I sort of probably going to take a bit of a longer term view. Yeah. Like you know, you've only got a certain amount of trades. You know, if I'm going to trade him out, do I really want to be rolling the dice on someone else mm. who's going to be an origin selection as well? And I think the thing about Latrell is he's very very good, and he's and Souths are running hot, and he's going really well but he's also got to get himself through an origin period for the first yeah. time in a while so i i'm happier just to sort of stay with tom for a little bit longer before i hit the eject button and given hit his price point as well brian you're not really getting yeah, very yeah. good value at the present so that's what i'm doing for the time being yeah i think at the end of the day mate like turbo still got like, you know, despite us talking, you know, so I guess down on him last week, like he still has one of the highest ceilings in the comp, like, you know, from a super coach perspective. So he's not like, you know, even a turbo, like we saw him earlier this year, like, you know, he still put up 90 in his first weekend back from a hamstring injury. He put up, you know, he put up a big score, I think, dealing with the hip pointer, those kind of things. So we've seen him put up big scores, even playing through injury this year. So it's not all doom and gloom. I I think there's, uh, like, there's benefits to both sides of the coin. Um, I think if you've got him, yeah, I think your approach there, I think if you've held him, I think the time to sell him was probably last week. I think, you know, when he was actually out, uh, I think if you've held him, you've you've talked me around to to sort of I think the play is to hang on to him. 
yeah, nice one. I think yeah, everyone's situation is different, but that's what I'm going to do for the time being. So who knows what will come of it. That's the beauty of super coaches, and you never quite know. Very last question, Brian, is about Ryan Pappenhausen. So he made some comments on his recovery on the Matty Johns show the other night. I think you mentioned something about his quad being deficient still. What was your take on Ryan Pappenhausen's comments and how they pertain to him returning to NRL footy sometime soon, hopefully? Yeah, so he spoke about a deficiency. I think effectively what he's talking about there is a strength deficiency. So in other words, when comparing to the other side, because he said he needed it to duck below 10%. So I think effectively what he's talking about is a 10% difference. He needs it below a 10% difference between his left side and his right side, which is the side that he injured. Um, it's not It's not a shock. I mean, we, we've spoken about how like the longer it goes on, the more likely there are going to be these things that he's dealing with. And I, like you could, you and I could have him on this show and probably sit down and talk about for half an hour, like all the things that he's dealing with at the moment. There'd be so many components to it. It's such a complex injury. I mean, it's gone on longer than like, I'll put my hand up. I, I sort of said that I thought he'd be back, you know, around that six month mark. Um, that's come and gone well and truly. Uh, it's much longer than I, I know the storm ever expected than Pat, ever expected all that it's blown sort of everyone out of the water this one it's not the end of the world and it sounds like you know it's just some lingering pain and stiffness and those kind of things just stopping him from getting that high-end quad strength uh but yeah look I, like I, i'm still like i won't give away exactly sort of what i've put in the patreon uh casualty ward because that's for my good patrons to sort of read that in-depth summary but yeah i think um it's still you know it's going to be a while yet before we see him yeah and hopefully you know he can get himself right and he's got many many more years ahead in the, in the game so for the storm for Footy fans, I know you're a big Pappenhausen fan yourself. Is he yeah. one of your favourite players to watch? Um, I sort of, I think we sort of discussed at the very start of the year. I just thought, just with the uncertainty, I, I wouldn't expect him to see him by mid-year. I guess we're around nine in the box now, and I was sort of like, well, mid-year is sort of around 13, 14. That, that even might be optimistic, um, depending on how he's commenting on it. I guess getting like that last little bit of strength out of your knee is no small feat given the nature of that injury and the nature of that surgery. And Really, to get it stronger, you got to load it up and you got to have that thing tolerate the load. So there's no easy way forward for him, is there, apart from gritting and, and working his ass off? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough slog, but I, like I, you know, I still have confidence that he's going to be back. It's just how long that's going to take is, is a bit of a mystery. But, mate, we'll move forward. The highlight of the week. Well, the highlight of my week for the last like three or four weeks, because I keep just proving that I'm a much better bloke than you are. I love this segment. It's our Super Coach Corner. James, hit us with how you're going. So this week, Brian, you got me again, which is a bit of a theme. I, I was on a hot streak to start and I was feeling very, very good about myself, but it hasn't gone well for me recently. So this week, uh, 1068 is what I did. So I traded in Tino um, in the front row forward and yeah. Joe Suwali last week oh, as well. Okay. So yeah. I was, I'm was, i I'm a bit bullish on Suwali. I think he's probably got a high floor with the goal-kicking boots. I think eventually the wheel will start to turn there with a few more attacking points. I've also traded in AJ um, or Alex Johnson as well. Sorry, um, I just think he's due for is that your last to try boost? soon. Are you done for boost now? 
Yeah, no, oh, do I have one? Yeah, I've got one actually. I've oh, got okay. one left, yeah. So I didn't trade in AJ um, the week gone. I got him the week before oh, right, when he put okay. up um, 90. Oh, nice. Um, but, he, but he's got three tries in nine games this year, which is massively blow as usual. He also plays round 13. Souths are moving. They're humming. I think it's only a matter of time before AJ hits multiple bigger weeks. So that's um, just my little take on things there about Suwali and um, Alex Johnston. So get them in team in the centre wing positions because they're at pretty good price points now as well, especially Suwali. I think he's pretty much um, bottomed out in price. So yeah. you could nearly move straight across from, you know, like, even like a Warwick to Ruby. You're not really having to spend too much to get a Suwali, which I think is just a no-brainer because I don't think he'll play Origin either. I think... Just given everything that's going on with his signing, I don't think he'll play Origin this year. My This week, my center wing combo let me down a little bit. So I had Greg Marge, Garrick, um, Joey Manu, Alex Johnston, Suwali, and I reserved Sloan as well. So that was a bit of a miss by me. This week, probably Adenfinor Blake looks really, really good to me. I think the minutes that he's playing, um, that's not going to change anytime soon with the injury crisis there in the middle forward sort of rotation for the Warriors. Probably looking to downgrade um, to Ruver, I would say, as well. Um, it's in a wing to sort of make that happen. Just because Tyrell Sloan does play round 13 and he does have the Tigers next week. So even though he is boom or busty, I think um, in terms of a number for the round 13, he might be better off to try and keep him on team for another week, even though he's probably maxed out in price. I really want to see the back of Josh Schuster out of my second row <laughs> forward slot, but I don't I don't think I can do that this week. I think that might be another week, but he's he's truly the definition of a super coach, waste of a roster space at the present. So that's my big concern, Brian. I'm still Nico Hinesless, which is really, really, really hurting me. Um, but this week I sort of got lucky because I had vice captain Dave Fafita, um, and I took the captaincy off. Nathan Cleary, when I saw the forecast um, for wet weather out in Bathurst there, so I got pretty lucky to get him on the loop. Um, but, yeah, without Nico Hines, it's really, really tough sledding because getting him in is just effectively unattainable at the moment in terms of price-wise. So how did you go this week and how are things with Nico in your team? Tell me about that. Oh, mate. I mean, look, he's a beautiful man. I'm so looking for – oh, will we see him? I don't think we'll see him play next weekend. That's a bit devastating, not on the Saturday, but um, – yeah, mate, just just doing really well. I did notice actually. How long have you had Moses for? Because I just have a look at your team just now while you're talking. You got Mitchy Moses in there. That went well for you this week. Yeah, I've had him in since. Um, I would have boosted him in when Walker got dropped. Oh uh, yeah, right. So what was that? Was that two weeks ago? Three yeah. weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, probably two weeks ago. Yeah, I boosted him in that, in that round there because just his price point, and I was like. Yeah. Uh, eventually he'll he'll turn it around. They, he plays round thirteen as yep. well. So yeah, I, I just went, yep, let's get let's get Moses in there and um get him in. So yeah, that's that's good for me for the time being. But um yeah, it's hard to get Nico in still because oh, he keeps putting yeah. up massive points. Yeah, it's huge. So he was my vice captain and then I um I looped him because I was going to have to play Sonny Luke anyway. I had uh, convinced myself to hold Turbo if he played this week. I was going to hold him. And I had a whole bunch of stuff going on. My trades were all over the shop this week. I was going to bring in AJ, um, Alex Johnston at one point. I was going to bring in Tyrell Sloan at one point. I was all over the shop, and it actually turned out that I was pretty happy with my trade. So I actually went our boy Reese Walsh uh, up to Latrell and Turbo down to Teddy. Um, I just really, yeah, like I, I just wanted to grab Latrell. I I felt like I was missing out. I was happy to pay up for him. I thought Walsh was kind of at the peak of his price, um, and I was happy to sort of keep my good run going. Like Teddy only scored fifty seven, so not huge numbers. 
but I'm still relatively happy with that. The one thing that made me really want to chase Luttrell was he's got the Tigers in a couple of weeks, and I just think that he needs to be my captain in that week. Like, I, I just I haven't even looked at what everybody else's matchups are, but I just want Luttrell in that matchup. I thought the Tigers, yes, did look did look better this week, but yeah, um, I was really eyeing that off. Uh, Ames this week, a bit of a surprising one, but my, I don't know if it's going to be a point of difference. I haven't really been on Twitter and stuff to sort of see if there's much chat about him, but Corey Horsburgh, mate, the uh, the Red Rocket, the good Redcliffe boy, uh, like he, he is, yeah. he's played 70 plus minutes the last three weeks, uh, put up huge base numbers. It's almost like they've kind of put him in the, Tapanay role from last year. Um, you know, he's playing 13. He's getting through huge work. I'm bringing him in. I, I, like, he's kind of like my one locked guy. He, he's still a relatively good price. I think he'll be sort of early 500s or mid 500s next week. He plays around 13. I don't, like, I, I think the other one I'm looking out for is like that round 14 too, like that week after. That's a bit of a challenging kind of week to fill like to fill your your team because I think I'm going to have quite a few sort of who have a buy in that round 14, whereas I think I'm going to check. I, I could be wrong here. Yeah, no, so they play like they play round 14 as well. So that was one that I eyed off. So I like the look of Horsburgh. I think he's doing well as much as it uh, to say it, but maybe Jack DeBellin, like he's playing 80 minutes at lock, um, played 80 minutes today. I think he played 70 last week, so he's another guy who plays round 13. Guys, I've got my eye on Sean Lane, um, Oluwapu. Obviously, I think he'll come in for me next week if he you know, continues to look as good as he does before his price rise. And Max Fear guy, um, I think uh, my boy Tao Tao is going to be out for a while. Um, you know, at least the next couple of weeks. And if the guy, um, Fianna or, you know, uh, sort of shows that he looks pretty good, he's bottom dollar. And then I'm just keeping an eye out. Val, I think, is a trade out before 13 too. And after his low score this week, do I sort of capitalise? They do have a few good matchups, actually, the Cows. But the Cows are, yeah, playing like Bustards at the moment. So it doesn't even matter if they've got a good matchup. I'm not sure. Val's one that I'm definitely sort of eyeing off to, to downgrade to someone um, before 13. Yeah, I like that summary, Brian. I like your take on Corey Horsburgh as well. I think um, I think it was Caboolture-born, wasn't he, Corey Horsburgh? He's nearly Sunshine Coast. I could nearly claim he was oh, a mate, Sunshine Coast junior, but he did play steal, for the Dolphins. Don't try and steal my Dolphins, mate. Come on. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's like that's in Queensland. He, he, well, he, he drove Wikipedia through. does say, growing up in Caboolture, he played for the Caboolture Snakes <laughs> before moving to the Reckliff Dolphins, so we'll both claim him. Hey? Yeah, actually, that's that? fair enough. That's uh, uh, Mate, this is, this is getting into, like, imagine if you went to school in Caboolture. It was like... Like when I went back, uh, you know, went to school in Gympie and people on MySpace used to claim that they were from the northern Sunshine Coast. You reckon there was people, oh, the best. In, people in Caboolture claiming the southern, like southern Sunshine Coast? 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just from up the coast. Yeah, up and the coast. Like, oh, yeah, where are you from? Well, probably Caboolture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, off that, just off that exit off the Bruce Highway thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good! I love it. I love it. No, he. I, I'm bringing him in. He's like, unless something happens, yeah. he's my number one. I've, I've locked him in. Yeah, I might have to look him in instead of um, Adam Fanua Blake. Thing, so I think Adam Fanua was looking pretty good for me as well. But maybe the Horsburgh at price is a good call, Brian. Well, see, that's I, I. I had Fanua Blake in. I had Horsburgh, DeBellin, Fanua Blake. I was going to bring in one or both of those, but then I saw. 
Fanua Blake's price compared to the other two and the fact that Tohu might be back next week. Um, yeah, that that kind of lent me towards the other two. So I actually took Fanua Blake off purely from his price. If he was at the same price as other, those other guys, I think I'd chase him. But yeah, that price just makes me a little bit nervous because I think he had a break even of like one or zero this week and scored like mm. 90. So he's going to, yep. whatever he scored. So it's just going to be, he, he's going to be hefty. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point to make on the, on the dollars front there. So, yeah, work to be done, Brian, to, to get geared up for round 13. It's not very far away, is it, the first buy round? And that means Origins around the corner and Dad's Ghoulies is around the corner as well. Mate, that's it. Look, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, but if you see us at Dad's Ghoulies, I'll be in a in a – you know, some sort of embarrassing Dolphins kit. James will be in a, you know, very respectable uh, Brisbane Broncos Diamonds kit. Yeah, have a come and grab us for a beer, have a yarn. Uh, if there's any patrons listening, I'll buy you a beer. I probably owe you one or many. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's the best weekend of the year for me. Um, I, I look forward to it every year. So, yeah, it'll be good to – look, I think we said we're keen to just get in there early on Saturday, just sit down, have a pub feed and just soak in the rugby league. Hey, like it's just good to be surrounded by people who love footy. It is, and Brisbane does it well, Brian. You can't knock Brisbane for doing a good magic round. I think – People say, oh, it should go around from some place to another place. But what I would say to that is up yours. Don't take it away from us because it's the best weekend of the year. Oh, mate, it's so good. It's like, yeah, if you haven't done it, you've got to do it. And, and it's not even – like I know Queensland, we sit here as Queenslanders and they say Queensland's awesome. But even just the logistics, just the pure logistics of having Suncorp and then having Caxton and having all the establishments around it, you can walk to the city like we've booked accommodation like within walking distance like there's so much stuff so close it's just it just creates such a good atmosphere yeah better than schoolies dad schoolies <laughs> awesome guys if you like the pod reviewers recommend to a friend all that fun stuff we love reading your reviews it's awesome to see if you want more info like this patreon.com slash general physio James, I will see you next week. Imagine the podcast next Sunday night off a big Saturday night. That's going to be an interesting proposition. That will be tough sledding, Brian, <laughs> but we'll push through for the for the greater good. Oh, I love it. All right, guys, uh, and up the mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.